Welcome to the People Like Us podcast, brought to you by PlusOneCommunity.com. The podcast to get a little bit healthier, to have a little more fun for a little while longer. Now get ready to learn something with hosts Gerald Mays and Chef Roberta Higuera. Welcome everybody to the People Like Us podcast. I'm your host, Gerald Mays, and I'm with Chef. Chef Roberto Higuera. Gets me every time. <laughs> Chef. Chef Roberto Higuera. Every time. It's going to be one of those things where no one is going to ever say your name without saying Chef. Chef <laughs> Roberto Higuera. That's just what's going to be from here on out. But uh, we have a very, very great show for you today. Um, we are going to keep this intro short because the... The interview ran a little long because we we got into a lot of like a lot of interesting stuff. And this podcast is with Dr. Laura Deach, a.k.a. Dr. Shameless. And we talked about sex and there was a lot of interesting facts. I know Roberto has listened to it already. What did you kind of get from it? Well, I'm, the main takeaway that I got out of it, um, I know we did receive a lot of questions. Uh, and again, thank you guys for, for uh, um, you know, giving us those questions and stuff. Um, but the main takeaway that I really did get out of all of this, at the end of the day, there has to be uh, communication. Communication. Healthy communication. Healthy communication. So you can't have a great sex life if you don't have a great communication life with your partner. Exactly. So... I'm excited to present this interview with you. Please be aware that we had some technical difficulties with the audio, so it does sound a little stereo because it was I had to import it directly from Zoom. But don't let that deter you from getting some great, great, great content. Yeah, very right? illuminating. So before I start, I do want to read her, bi- her a bio real quick to kind of lead off into that and then... We'll send you off into the interview. So Dr. Shameless helps guide people regardless of age, gender, identity, experience, and anything else on a journey from sexual shame to courage in order to be your most authentic sexual self. Her approach has people examine the origins of shame, deconstruct the validity of shameful self-talk, identify the harm shame causes, and create a new paradigm embracing the bold, genuine, and healthier attitudes living beneath the surface. Dr. Shameless has a passion around joy, personal growth, and pleasure for pleasure's sake. Dr. Shameless is a licensed clinical professional counselor in Nevada and holds a master's degree from the University of Florida in health science education, a master's degree from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in counselor education, and a doctor of human sexuality degree from the Institute of Advanced Study of Human Sexuality in San Francisco, California. She has been practicing as a therapist in Las Vegas since 2009. She grew up in New York and South Florida and enjoys her pets, friends, and sharing helpful information about reproductive justice and health. She can often be found at local school board meetings advocating for real sex ed, inclusive policies, and access to care. She is engaged in local, state, and national political activities. Dr. Shameless can be found on her Facebook page at Dr. Shameless 702 and via email at dr.shameless702 at gmail.com. 
So I am super, super excited for you to listen to this interview. I hope you enjoy and please make sure that you reach out to us if you have any questions or any concerns or any even any follow-ups to this podcast because there was so much discussed so much talked about that we don't want anyone to miss it so without without further ado chef roberto and i signing off enjoy this interview with dr laura deitch see you guys enjoy It's a uh, People Like Us podcast, and I'm here with Dr. Deitch, and we're here to talk about sex. Yeah. You know, like, and it's so taboo. It, it feels like it's a topic that everyone is so scared to have, yet they are extremely intrigued by it, mm-hmm. obviously, from the response that we got on social media. And to tell you a quick story about what happened was we put on social media that we were going to have you on Mm -hmm. and for anyone else to you know give us any questions if you had questions Uh and and no one responded at all you know my mom posted something everything yeah my mom posted something funny I knew I was going to get a whole lot I I I have sex so like I'll be that or whatever so I knew we were going to get that but we, myself and Roberto, we sent out some text messages and the responses were overwhelming. Uh, and, it, and it let me know a handful of things. Um, a, sex is, is on a lot of people's minds and there's a lot of questions surrounding it. And also, like, I feel like sex is an area in life that we don't like mature in much. Like we're like some of these questions that were asked are like questions that I can remember asking when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. So, and it's funny how like, I think we kind of get into our own like, in our like area and like, and we, you know, stake our flag there and that's all. And that's all we know, right? So, <laughs> and it's, and it's kind of crazy because like, I feel like I've done the exact same thing and I'm not, like I, I'm okay to talk about sex, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But other people aren't and it's really taboo. So like for, with that being said and sex being so taboo, and I don't want to keep using taboo because I think that's not, not, not the accurate word, but what mm-hmm. ultimately got you into this field? So I grew up in, I was a teenager in the 80s. And so it was just the advent of HIV and AIDS. And there were a bunch of us that, you know, had different experiences, different things happen. And what I came to realize pretty quickly was the way they were talking to us because of HIV, it was a very fear-based approach. And it was very much kind of a girls versus boys thing. The girls were, became what would they call the gatekeepers. So it was our job to say no to boys. Like it, we just got mm. what we had to do. They put that on us. And so if we didn't say no, they thought that by shaming us or putting fear into us, that would be a good incentive for us to say no. So it became this very um, stigma-oriented approach. If you had sex at all, like if you weren't a virgin anymore, all is lost. Like nothing matters anymore. Just throw it out the window. You're a whore and so on and so forth. And that was horrifying because, you know, for a variety of us, different things happen. We either chose to have sex or were assaulted or, you know, like things happen. Yeah. And so it, it 
it really left an impression on me and it, and it, it, it challenged me and it wore on me as I grew up. So I finished college and kind of had some career, um, you know, missteps. And finally I was like, screw this. I really like what really matters to me and what I care about the most is I want to be the person that I wish existed when I was in high school. So I went back to school and I got a degree in health science education with the purpose, with the mission of, I want to be able to teach sex ed. That's what I want to do. So I did, and I got that degree and off I went and I moved to Las Vegas and I got a job at Planned Parenthood and I was a, an educator for Planned Parenthood for about 15 years. And that was wonderful. And, um, you know, I can remember the, the stories, the questions, like you're saying, you know, the questions we asked in high school, they're still there. They were asking them the whole time I was at Planned Parenthood. But as I worked with those kids, yeah, they're, oh, it's the things. Oy. But as I worked with those kids, I came to realize that these kids need a lot more. There's a lot of hurt that goes on. There's a lot of confusion that goes on. There's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of shame. And I realized that I'd be better served being a therapist. So I went back to school again and got a degree in counseling. And so now I'm a therapist and my purview is sexuality related issues. And that could be almost anything. So I do work with a lot of kids and, and adults who've been assaulted. So I do work with rape and trauma, but I also work in the LGBTQIAA community and a lot of my clients are trans and I really enjoy working okay. with that community as well. So yeah, okay. just kind of led to a whole bunch of fun, interesting, lovely, rewarding things. Okay. And just to clarify, uh, LGBTQ, I'm familiar yep. with, IAA. Yeah. So um, intersex, asexual, and probably allies. I mean, so many of the letters can have so many different meanings, but yes. So intersex, which means you're born with um, uh, 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 indistinct genitals, or it could be a difference between chromosomes, genitals, hormones, all those things. Um, and then um, asexual and I don't know, agender, I think is the other one. So okay. there's a lot of labels and it is hard keeping up with them. And I think that we all need to have a little bit of grace when someone's really asking in earnest and trying to be respectful. To yeah. me, the folks that I work with, that's what matters most. Yeah, there's a difference between uh, being a jerk yeah. and like, and just not knowing and just- Right, yep, yeah. Not knowing. And people can I, pick I, up on that pretty easily. Exactly. I think sometimes the hard part is like, there's a there's a gap between you know like like there's a there's a space where we believe or one side believes that you should already know you mm. know and as a as a as a as a black man you know like uh -huh. I can I can kind of understand that 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 vibe where like on one side it's like you should already know and then the other uh -huh. side is like but I don't know so right. how can you how can we bridge the gap yeah. between the two sides so that there's more there's more of a uh, a dialogue right. than, than just like me sitting here talking to you about what I think I know mm -hmm. and then you telling me what you think you know, but we're not actually, you know, educating each other. Right. So in that in that realm, like like what is what do you think are healthy ways to to begin these conversations? Obviously a podcast like this, listening to mm -hmm. a podcast like this and having, you know, different points of views on is, is important, but what can people do to kind of like bridge that gap? 
You know, I think some of the important things, it depends on kind of the dynamics. If we're talking about couples, if we're talking about, you know, adults that are already in some kind of dynamic, whether it's a relationship or a friendship or a partnership, whatever, I think one of the things, a, a beginning step to start with would be, what are your sexual values? What, what matters to you? What are your core beliefs? What does sex mean? Because there are mm -hmm. some folks that have, they hold certain values for themselves and different values for their partner. I've heard yeah. that kind of thing. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I know a, a man who I know was unfaithful to his wife. And, mm -hmm. I, and I, I just know that through my work. And, but when he found out his wife was just flirting with yeah. another man was flirting with his wife, he lost it. And I'm like, oh, so it's okay for you, but it's not okay yeah. for her. So, you know, those values, you know, what would it mean if there was a pregnancy? What does STD status mean to you? If, if, you know, what does it mean if I've had experiences with same gendered folks? So mm -hmm. all those things about, you know, what, what's our body count and why does that matter? And does it matter? Those kinds of things. I think that's a good yeah. way to start. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Like having that, that dialogue between, I mean, I guess the, the best place to start is with the, uh, another person and, and to have that conversation mm -hmm. and then understanding that everyone's values aren't the same as yours. And that's okay. That's you know, okay. It's okay to not, to, for us to not be on the same wavelength or for me to not agree mm -hmm. or whatever it may be with another person's lifestyle, but right. it doesn't give me the right to be disrespectful or to right. shame them or to do right. whatever, you know, whatever yeah. weird thing people are doing nowadays right. <laughs> against, against each other, you know? So, yeah. you know, I wanted to kind of, the, the main reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is because I believe sex is a part of health mm -hmm. and we're, and we're all about health. And mm -hmm. I know that Un there there are healthy forms of sex and there are unhealthy forms of sex and I've you know spent the last day and a half reading through all of these questions and people have some like some crazy interests mm -hmm. and they have some really like some some of the questions are personal you know mm -hmm. and I and I I want to try to formulate something that we can kind of encapsulate all of it without having to go question by question by question. Sure, yeah. So I think a good place to start with it, with this podcast being released somewhere close to Valentine's Day is uh -huh. it's healthy, healthy sexual practices. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think that's great. I think that um, it also opens the door to me, that is a huge umbrella because what's healthy to some, you know, one couple or person or triad isn't necessarily healthy for another person. You know, we, we have to look across the spectrum. We have to look at, at chronic health issues. We have to look at comfort. We have to look at geography. We have to look at, you know, pregnancy risk. There's so many things to consider. So, you know, a health, healthy sex is, is a, huge, a huge umbrella and, and everybody falls onto it. So I think one of the things to start with is basically like, you know, do a self-assessment. Like, what does that mean to me? What is, what is a healthy sex life for me? And that could be solo, that could be with a partner, that could be with partners, and it, it can depend. So figuring out, you know, what, what's working in my sex life and what's not, and how does that reflect or involve another person is a good place to start. So let's say somebody is just sort of bored, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's ho-hum, humdrum, you know, nothing that exciting. It's the same old, same old. Well, I think instead of putting all that burden on our partner, we need to come to the table with some creativity and some ideas and some imagination. 
So say like, what would you think? There are these books out there and I think they're wonderful. They're a good jumping off point. It's like 101 quickies or 52 special dates. And they're basically little envelopes and they kind of are preset things that you can hand to a partner as an invitation. And then it sort of does all the work for you with the creativity. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thing I think would be really fun that I think people probably don't do enough. And if they've kind of hit that wall in their sex life is start to share more fantasies. So say like, you know, Hey, I was thinking about and fantasies. You know, the, the funny thing about it is I think people get all caught up in the, but what would happen if, and I don't know if I could actually do that. And that's, what's wonderful about fantasies. You don't have to leave your bedroom to talk mm, about a yeah, fantasy. Exactly. Yeah. It's all, it can be a hundred percent mental. And you know, that's our biggest sex organ. Your brain is your biggest sex organ. So spicing things up could be go get some props, go to a toy store. Even the idea of going to a toy store can be exciting. You don't even have to set foot through the door. You can chicken out and run back into the car and go home and giggle about it. And you've still done something different. I, I like that. Yeah. My wife and I, we've, we've gone to the, the, the sex store a few times and, you know, it's, 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 it's eye-opening to see what's in it there. It is. It is. And but then once you go a few times, it's kind of normal. Yeah. You know? And then yeah. you, you, you see normal people in there. Right. You realize, like, this isn't as no. weird as I may have trumped it up to be in my brain. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you, you got to spice it up. I mean, you got to have some sort of something. I mean, right. I'm, 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 I'm not example. I mean, I've, I've allowed you know, sex to just be part of the routine and not, yeah. you know, not mm -hmm. use the, the games that we have or, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. But, right. you know, and, and you can kind of feel when it's like, you know what, like when you're like, I'd prefer to just go to sleep for the night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. then you're, you know, you may be a little off base. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there's such a variety. It could be, you know, let's find some erotic literature and read it together. Or I'll pick out something that I think you might like and I'll read it to you in bed. Or it could just be a change of scenery. Let's go get a hotel room. Let's do a little staycation and have hotel sex. Because for a lot yeah. of people, it's way better. Hotel sex has this amazing reputation of always being better. You know, mm -hmm. when's the last time you had sex in the shower? That could be something different. You know, something as simple as that. We're not talking huge risk. We're not talking yeah. huge money. We're not talking huge emotional. It's just something can spice it up. And then yeah. for the folks that really are looking for something a little bit different. Now, right now with the public health crisis that we're in, I don't know that going to the Green Door or the Red Rooster or, or the studios or any of our sex clubs locally in Las Vegas is necessarily mm -hmm. an option. But maybe that's something to talk about so that when things do open back up, then you've already had this conversation like, hey, have you ever thought about going to the green door? Could we do that? Can our relationship stand that? Is that something you'd be interested in? You know, what would it be like to go there? What would you like? What are you scared of? So these conversations are in a, a wonderful place to start. I like that. I mean, I, I, it, it seems like everything is built around conversation and mm -hmm. having so before you can actually have a healthy sex life, you have to have a healthy relationship yeah. to be able to have these tough conversations. Would I think agree? so. I, I do. I think so. You know, we, we can look at different kinds of dynamics. We have, we have, there is still hookup culture. And for the folks that are out there that are not partnered and still in, and engaging in hookup culture, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone gets to pick. Um, that's a whole different set of things. Then it becomes like, 
what are your hard and fast boundaries that if a part, you know, if a hookup person says, let's do this, you're like, nope. And then there's no conversation. You're not building a relationship with that yeah. person. You're just finding kind of finding common ground for that time mm-hmm. to spend together. But I think when it comes to, you know, um, you know, committed partners or folks that have been around each other for a while, I think that what ends up happening is folks get scared to have those conversations. So let's say somebody has suggested, you know, I really would love for you to use um, a a butt plug on me. And, you know, the partner has been like, what's wrong with you? And that's gross. And what are you gay? And, and they freak out. Well, that partner is never going to revisit that idea and they're going to be shut down. So in order to engage in those healthy conversations, we need to take a long, hard look at ourselves and say, Mm -hmm. am I making the space for my partner or partners to come to me and have these conversations? And that's really step one. Mm. And the interesting part about that too is like, they may never revisit that conversation with their partner, Mm -hmm. but that that feeling or that desire is not gonna go away either. Right. right? So so then, then we have this like, weird thing where a person then can leave feeling unfulfilled in their yep. relationship because the space that had these conversations isn't safe. Right. And they'll probably also kind of censor and edit anything else they might want to bring up. If they're like, oh, I want to do, you know, a paddling or I want to, you know, bring in another person, they're probably not going to be open to saying anything because they're going to recall how badly shut down they were and how shamed they were. So we have to be really careful when we do that. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. That's that's some that yeah, that's some really good advice. <laughs> 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 that's some really good advice. I'm like, okay, yeah, I might take a note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it and you know, we there's an expression that we use in a lot of things, you know, don't yuck someone else's yum. Don't yuck someone mm. else's yum. And so it can be, you know, for myself, you know, that's for you, for me, for others. Like it can there's it doesn't have to be just because it's for you. It doesn't mean it has to be for me, but I don't get to mm-hmm. decide that it's not for you. Exactly. So exactly. it, you know, yeah. So where, so how do you find this like common ground? Like what, what if someone does want something from their partner that the other partner isn't willing to do? I think it's a great so, question. Mm-hmm. For example, right. So I, and I'm going to reference one of the questions, but okay, you know, one, one partner wants to try or wants to do, like have anal sex. Okay. Right? Yep. And the other partner doesn't. Okay. Right. The other partner doesn't want to have anal sex uh-huh. because that partner feels like it could possibly be like, you know, kind of gay or whatever it may be. Okay. So it brings, okay. it brings out these insecurities okay. for that person, you know? So how, what is the best way to begin these dialogues when one person wants to try something that the other person is unwilling to? For me, the, what the, the hard no becomes, if you've got a good relationship, becomes um, you kind of know your partner. And if it's a, oh, hell no, I never want to do that. That is out of the question. That freaks me out. I don't want to. I'm not interested. Don't bring it. Like, no, that's one thing. But mm-hmm. if somebody says, no, and you're not quite sure where they're coming from, and there's never been this, you know, passion behind it. You could say, okay, tell me, tell me what what's not appealing about that. So the person says, well, it just feels like it would be gay to me. So then I would follow up with some conversation and say, like, so if you know, I'm I'm 
by the way you couched this question, it, it, it seems like it's probably a, a male-female couple. So maybe that female partner could look at the guy and be like, what would be, you know, tell, help me understand how this becomes gay if I'm the one with you. Yeah, exactly. So, and it could be like, you know, great, but what would it be like to just use a finger? Or what would it be like to use a toy? Or what would it be like to just massage the, the outside? Because it is mm -hmm. a pretty erogenous zone and it has a lot of nerve endings and there's great sensation. So I would find out what is the objection about before I either got mad or dropped it or gave up. Yeah. You know, we have to balance I, that with consent and coercion. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think you gotta, you gotta have some sort of conversation because I, there's a lot of space to miss. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you an example for, uh, uh, well, I hope my wife doesn't get mad, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we were, we were having a conversation about anal sex as well. And huh. like, I brought it up uh, numerous numerous occasions, and she's just uh -huh. always shot it down, right? Uh -huh. We've 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 done it one time, and okay. she passed out. Oh, yeah. So she so like ever since then, I've always kind of felt like she didn't want to because of that experience. Maybe. Well, well, the crazy part is because she knew that I was talking to you, it came back up, and come to okay. find out. Like she actually didn't believe that I wanted to do it. So like, there's a lot of this missing oh, from yeah. the conversation yeah. where she didn't necessarily think I was serious about it. And then I thought that she didn't, and I'm being respectful of that as well, right? right. I, sure. I thought that she didn't because of the experience, but we were both wrong. Both wrong. So I think there's always, there needs to be con constant conversation and revisiting mm -hmm. in, in that sexual realm with your partner because you you we could be having a conversation and we both think that we're on one accord and right. you're not yeah you're, you're viewing these you're viewing that situation from two totally different perspectives where she feels that she feels that she's saying no because she doesn't believe that i want to and i believe mm -hmm. she's saying no because she doesn't want to so right i think that was that was pretty interesting I think that, you know, kind of a good gauge would be like, if you're out with your part, if you thought about your partner and it's a, you know, a long-term partner and you think we go to a restaurant and you have that menu in front of you, what are the odds that you could look at the menu and kind of go down item by item and be like, they'd like it. They wouldn't like it. They wouldn't like it. They would, they would, they would, you'd know, you'd know exactly to a T what they'd be like most interested in and less interested in. If I gave you a sheet of paper with 50 different sexual activities on it, could you do that and say what your partner would like and not like? I probably could. Okay. Uh, just because I think we are down for whatever. So I okay. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll try, I try yeah. at least once mm -hmm. and then, yeah. then we'll see if not. But yeah. then we'll get to the anal part and then we would both say <laughs> no for no. the same reason. For a different reason, right. you know? Right, right. Yeah. But I think it'd be interesting, like, you know, for folks out there who are sitting here going like, well, how am I supposed to know what they like? Well, try asking. Exactly. You know? asking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll yeah. work. That always seems to that always seems to work. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I want to reference some of these questions as well. Sure. You know, I, not, not necessarily in detail, like ask those specific questions. Okay. But we did get a lot of questions about, like, porn. Okay. And Great. health healthy relationships with porn versus unhealthy relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your view on porn in a relationship? 
So I think that um, if it's it's in a relationship that there needs to be agreement as to, in order for it to be healthy, there needs to be agreement as to how they regard porn. So it could be that there's an understanding and it's anything under the sun. It could be watch porn away from me and don't tell me about it and I'll be cool. Great. Let's watch porn together. You pick a, you know, you pick a category that I pick a category then we switch back and forth. Okay, great. Or it could be porn does not exist in our relationship and we're both honest and trust each other about that. Great. Fine. Whatever, whatever the dynamic is, as long as it's consensual, agreed upon and honored, I would call it healthy. Now, the one place where I'd say that we start to veer off into unhealthy territory is if it's starting to interfere with the activities of daily living. If someone's okay. not going to work, if somebody's not showering, if somebody's not coming and eating dinner when they're supposed to or expected to, if somebody's blowing off, you know, paying the bills because they're too busy watching porn. So if it's interfering with your activities of daily living, then we consider that a, a problem behavior. So regardless of what the rules and the agreements are, if it's starting to go there, I think also it can become problematic um, when people aren't honest about it. And so it's like, no, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I mean, I know he watches it, but I mean, fine. I'm not going to tell me can't, but then that becomes internalized for, let's say a female partner who has some body image issues. And she starts to really internalize it and really be like, well, I'm never going to look at those girls. So he can just go watch porn. He doesn't need to have sex with me. So she ends up using sex as a weapon and saying no, because she's internalized this resentment because she thinks that it's a body image thing. And he's like, well, she never wants to have sex with me. So I'm left with porn. He'd prefer to be with her, but she's now turned it into something that it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it really does funnel right back to that conversation thing of Mm -hmm. just being honest and having good communication. Um, I think the other thing is when somebody becomes reliant upon porn, if they can't find arousal any other way, we need to look at kind of putting some limits on it to do a bit of a, you know, like a, a, a withdrawal. We need to get away from it a little bit to kind of recalibrate our arousal and see if we can get back to, you know, being able to be present and in real life. Would that same thing be taken into consideration for, like, say, uh, masturbation or something? So if someone is pleasuring themselves so often that it could interfere with their relationship or their arousal with their partner? I mean, I, I suppose it could. What I would think is that that would be a little bit easier to manage and curtail because masturbation, at least, is a it's a process and there's sort of, you know, lots of points along the way where it can be like, okay, there's arousal. Now we go to the partner or we've had one or two orgasms. We know we can have more. Now we go to the partner. Like there's, there's a much longer road to walk, I think with masturbation. So I think there's always room to, you know, walk it back two or three steps and say, okay, you know, tag in, mm-hmm. join me. What, you know. Is that specific to women? Because I don't, are men, uh-uh. cause, cause I, I, a lot of men that I know, it's like, uh-huh. it's like this buildup, right? I'm, I, let me see if I can tell this story pretty properly. Okay. Right? Okay. So there's this like <laughs> desire, right? Yeah. And then let's say you turn to say porn or something like that and you're masturbating. And then like once you're done, mm, like you're done, it's done. Like it's over. Yeah. Like, it's a, now it's a lit noodle. Right. And if you're right. like watching some, like 
really raunchy porn or something, then you automatically start feeling guilty and like oh. nasty. Oh. Like you just did like you just did something wrong or something, you know? Like I know actually a lot of guys who have that exact same uh-huh. experience. You know what I mean? So there's no like build up. There's mm-hmm. like either I'm going to have sex with my partner or I'm going to masturbate. And there is no uh-huh. combining the two for okay. from the male from the male side that I okay. Or maybe I just know the same type of man. Uh, but no, no, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's a thing. So my question would be: Is that problematic to either partner? Let's say there's disparate drives. He has a much bigger and, and more frequent sex drive than she does. She's like, I could have mm-hmm. sex once a month and be fine. Good. Go enjoy your porn. Go masturbate to completion as often as you want, and then once a month, save it for me. And that, so that could be actually a really lovely arrangement that works great for everybody, as long as that's what they understand it to be. Now, yeah. if her drive is higher and she's feeling deprived and, you know, the other partner is masturbating to completion and then has nothing left for their partner, then that's mm-hmm. problematic. And then we have yeah, to look at, you know, yeah, what's, what, what, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like every, every question, it, it all boils down to if the two parties agree that this is how we do, that this is what we can do, then it's okay. Basically. Yeah. And I mean, that might seem like an oversimplification for people who are caught in the throes of some conflict. And I understand that. But I think if we're talking about starting from a place of everything is reasonably okay, and we're just looking to like, like your the philosophy of your organization, a little bit better, a little bit healthier. So let's, mm-hmm. you know, start from there and just go like, how can it be better? What can we tweak to just jack it up a half a notch? And to exactly. me, yes, it would be communication and having kind of shared, shared understandings and shared agreements. Yeah. So how how would a person actually kind of work through the the shame that they may feel, you know, cuz I think that's a huge part like you you, yeah. you don't want to share some of your sick and twisted fantasies because mm-hmm. you don't know how uh, other people would take it or how your partner right. would take it. Yep. So I think there's a couple of steps. So I think one thing to do is in terms of self-reflection and, you know, when we look at shame, we need to figure out, identify what the message is that is nasty or naughty or dirty, whatever. Okay. That's the message. Great. That's wrong. Nasty. Um, Where, where did that message originate? Where did it come from originally? We need to think back and be like, where did that come from? Okay. Did it come from religion? Did it come from a parent? Did it come from the media? Did it come from a, a violent experience? Did it come from, you know, all kinds of different places, right? So we, we identify what the message is, where it came from, and then we say, great, how do I feel about where that message came from? How do I feel about them right now? So let's say it was, let's say a, a church or a religion or a, you know, a, a, you know, a cultural thing. You kind of get to sit there as an adult and say, do I still hold that value? Does that still resonate for me? If I were independent, like where it came from, do I still hold that value myself? And kind of look at it under the bright light of day. Do I trust the person that it came from? What were their intentions? So much of the time, a lot of these shame tactics are based on, they're based on patriarchy. They're based on, you know, deep, you know, kind of um, knocking women down in terms of pleasure and, you know, sexual autonomy. 
they're sometimes they're based around public health and disease prevention and pregnancy prevention. So, you know, we used to yell at teenagers, you know, don't, don't you dare have sex. That's wrong. That's bad, blah, blah, because we don't want them pregnant. But if yeah. you've got pregnancy protection under control, what, then why are we screaming at teenagers to not have, why are we shaming them if they've got a method that's pretty reliable to not make a baby? Exactly. Yeah. So we have to look at the intention behind the message. Who did the message come from and are they still a reliable source to us? And do we still hold that value today? What is it based on? Is it a fact? Like, you know, if we're going to talk about hurting somebody, an animal, like that to me is based on intrinsic humanity. I'm not, you know, I don't care who says what an, an adult and a kid is always going to be not okay. That's not a matter of, well, you know, in the light of the day, I feel like it's fine. It's not fine. Um, you know, neither is an animal because they can't consent. So, you know, okay. but other than that, we need to look at it and go, where does this come? Why do I believe this? Why do I think this? And it usually comes to something completely, not arbitrary, but a little bit made up, a little bit, there's an agenda behind it. Yeah. And if we can get rid of that agenda, we might be able to get rid of some of the shame. I think that's a big thing too. It's like a lot of it is almost like folktale passed yeah. down generation to generation. Like yep. you, and the only reason why you believe it is because the people before you told you that that's how you do things. Right. And I, and I think that's kind of that. And when you center that around sex, you, when I, like I said in the beginning, it's like, it's like one of the areas that we aren't matured in. Yeah. Because we have been given our sexual principles in the very, very beginning. And then you spend all of this time in life kind of struggling with what it is like what you want to do mm -hmm. and then what someone told you you're supposed to do and why right. and why you're wrong for, for doing it you know what I mean right yeah and that's you get to a, a, yeah it, it, it really is and then like when you start incorporating things like trauma into it uh -huh. you know then it gets all twisted yeah. right so I, I'll give you an example and I you know like <clears throat> I believe in complete authenticity when it comes to my podcast and everything else but for when I was young, I was touched by a male. Okay. And I struggled with, like, did that make me gay? Oh. So as, mm -hmm. I, as I grew up and got older, I was on a mission to sleep with as many women as I could. Oh, to ungay yourself. Yeah, to un yeah, to ungay myself, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> and <laughs> but like I was like, I'm gonna ungay myself by just sleeping yeah. with a whole bunch of women. Sure. And that and, and and that created a very unhealthy view yeah. of sex because yes. it ended up not like sex didn't mean anything. Right. But when I get married to my wife, like sex didn't mean anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was looking at other things that I judged my relationship with my wife on, mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do with sex. Sex right. was just an activity that you did. Right. So, so there were some issues uh, between my wife and I because of my behavior because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it, and it's something that you know, it's it's not it's not easy to discuss these things because I don't even think at the time I knew that that's what I was doing. Right. You know, I don't yeah. even knew that that's what it was. I'm just like, I don't know why, you know, I just, or it just is what it is. 
Mm-hmm. And it caused a lot of friction because mm-hmm. it also created this like thing or this need for attention from women for me, you know, and I, I couldn't shake that. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it because they like validated the fact that I wasn't gay. Right. You know what I mean? And I've never yeah. like, I've never had any like attraction to a man at any point in my life or anything mm-hmm. like that. But like that, 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 that changed me. So I know there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who mm-hmm. out there who have trauma, whether it be, you know, molestation, rape, things like that. And there's a lot of this pinned up thing. Like what are some tips that people can start to implement or do to kind of unravel this, like this, this ball of yarn? Yeah. I mean, I think that they do kind of a self inventory and just ask themselves like, you know, what am I happy about in terms of my sexuality? And, and if it's hard to answer that question, then we, we've got a ball of yarn to unwind. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you can sit there and go, oh, and it's real easy and you rattle off 17 things, things are probably okay. If you have a hard yeah. time answering that question, I would imagine something's up. Um, I think if people, I, I'm going to use the word dissociate, and I don't necessarily mean it in, an, in a strictly clinical kind of pathological term that we would use in, in therapy, but if you just kind of disappear, if you just space out and zone out and you're like, beige, I could paint the ceiling beige. Like if that's where you go during sex, to me, that indicates something isn't as good as it could be. I'm not saying that there's, you know, I can't point and be like, oh, trauma. Like, I don't know, but it's not great. Like it's either, you know, you don't connect or maybe this person, whatever, there's something there. So I think doing a self inventory and kind of checking out like what, you know, give yourself a one to 10 and, you know, let's hope you're over a seven. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I think checking in with your partner and ch- partners and checking in with them and saying like, you know, wh- what do you think our sex life is like? You know, what, what grade would you give it? And, and what would take it to an A plus? So I think yeah. that's a way to start. So, um, you know, if people, I think if there's sexual dysfunction, I think if somebody's never had an orgasm, then we look and see, is there a reason? Like what, you know, is there something contributing to that? is that a thing that, that, that they care about? Maybe they don't care. They're like, couldn't give a shit. I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. You know, fine. Then we don't, we don't fix what's not broken. But if it exactly. does bother someone, then we look at anxiety. We look at body image. We look at past trauma. We look at family dynamics. We look at so many things that could be hindering that kind of performance or experience for them. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. Because I think there's a, a, a doing a, uh, an assessment of yourself has to be the first thing that you do because you know most people don't know that they're hurt you know and they just walk around hurting other people you know not and not knowing why that you attribute it to something stupid like oh well this is just the way that i am no it's not you're not that way you're not a jerk you're protecting yourself from something you know you're just not really willing to even have that conversation with yourself and I think yeah. that's super, super important is can you have real conversations with yourself? Because mm-hmm. if you can't, then there's absolutely no way that right. you can have a real conversation with your partner. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. When you, when you talked about kind of how the, how it manifests, how your um, assault or, you know, the, the, un, you know, non-consensual touching happened for you um, and then how it manifested, I wanted to kind of, circle back to that because 
the way that manifested for you that you went out and decided to, you know, be prolific and, and have lots of sexual experiences with women, think about it from a gender point of view. Our society condones that for you. Yeah, exactly. In general, in general. And so not only if a girl went out and did that, they'd be shunned and shamed and called names and it would be terrible for her. The interesting thing is that was actually a negative coping strategy for you. That was not a great thing, but our culture, again, props it up and says, you go dog, you go, you get it, you know? And it's like, oh my God, not we're shaming the girls, propping you up and everybody's hurt. Exactly. Trust me, I know I've I've participated in, you know, well, body counts, you know, yeah. with my with my buddies and stuff like that at, at the time in high school, you know, like we're we're at body counts, but not ever really thinking about uh, if if I was a woman, right? Like, not only would I be shamed by these same people, mm-hmm. but I'd be shamed by my female peers as well. Oh, yes, parent parents, yes, and society, society all as, of a, society. as a whole, right? every walk of life. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that is kind of mind-boggling. I never even thought of it that way, though. Yeah, you know, I think this, and I, and I, I see it, I see it, I see that kind of like just if I'm being honest, like I with my own children, like how I am with my own kids, like I'm not necessarily like I don't believe that my children are when it comes to sex and things. I think that there's a lot of emotion involved in it, so I steer my kids away from that because I don't believe that they're ready to take that on. You sure. know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, but like, if my son has a uh-huh. girlfriend, I'm like, uh-huh. cool. Uh-huh. You know, my daughter has a boyfriend. I'm like, who is he? I, I, I need to meet his parents. I want to know that he's a, a good person and so on and so forth. Right. You but need to check yourself. Yeah, but with with my son, I'm just like, all right, because I'm thinking of it, thinking of it from the other way around, right? Like, that's that that's her dad's responsibility to make sure my son is good. Yeah. But it's it, but it's wrong. It's wrong. That's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> you know, it's wrong. <laughs> because it, a, it needs to be an equal environment where yeah. they understand. Where ha- having a the boyfriend is healthy, you know, and being able to uh, coincide in a relationship like that. Mm-hmm is actually great skills to learn, you know? Right. And if if as a parent, you align yourself with being able to be on the ship teaching Mm -hmm. as she goes, Uh then you have a bigger impact than Mm -hmm. shutting her down and then she jumps out the window to meet him and you don't know anything about it. Yep, yep. I had a friend who had two teenagers and as they got ready to leave for college, the boy was older and the, the, the guy, a single dad. And he said to me that he was going to, you know, make sure he set his son up with condoms. And so I said to him, you're going to do the same for, you know, insert daughter's name. You're going to do the same for her too. And he goes, uh, and I'm like, and I looked at him and he goes, I mean, yes, yes, I am. And I was like, I will kick your ass. <laughs> you're right. He goes, I just didn't think about it. I'm like, okay, well, we're thinking about it now. Yeah, I think like that's why. the thing, though, right? We just don't yeah. think about it like that. Yeah. And I think there's also this, like, like I don't think all of it is malicious. It's not malicious, right? Like, it's not. Like, we, we, I love my daughters, and mm-hmm. I want to protect my daughters. I also was a young boy out there trying to sleep with everybody, so I'm trying mm-hmm. to protect my daughters from me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, I don't think everything is 
a negative thing, it may be still not the proper thing to do, you know, but it's, I don't think all of it is negative. Well, it's, it's funny because you say, I want to protect my daughters. And my natural question was, do you don't want to protect your son? No, I believe that my son can protect himself. Ah, isn't that so amazing? I, so right? I, so yeah. I, understand, I, I understand. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I understand exactly what you're saying. I understand yeah. exactly what you're saying. But, yeah. you know, you know, and I think that's kind of some of the, I don't want to say twisted, but it's kind of like the uneven views that we have right. about men and women and things like mm-hmm. that. Like, I, and my daughter is, she's super tough. You know? Oh, good, good. Yeah. She's tougher than me sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but um, I do want to say, I know you had mentioned before about like uh, orgasm and stuff, right? And yeah. I, I, I do not want to skip over that topic. No, right? no. Because, Good one. Okay. Like, yeah, like it, I was brought up in the school of you didn't actually have sex if you didn't orgasm. Oh, that's a shame. Wow. But that was, but that's, and that's funny because it's like, that was only told to boys. Like it was yeah. over when, when you were done. Right. Yep. But what about yep. the women? Because it seems that the, from all the questions that we got, like a lot of them pertain to orgasms and the different types of orgasms. And I didn't okay. even know that there were so many types of orgasms. I know that there's a a, a clitoris stimulation mm-hmm. orgasm okay. mm-hmm. and then uh, a vaginal orgasm. But there's a lot of questions surrounding that. And then a cervical orgasm. Is that a real thing? So, you know, here's my, and you'll, you'll talk to different, you know, different folks that are in the sex um, world have different opinions. My opinion is this, there's a set of nerve endings. We got a lot of nerve endings. Everyone's body is different. Everybody's sensitivity is different. Everybody's arousal patterns are different. But when somebody tells me that they have nipple orgasms, I have a hard time because I'm like, so the nipple is getting stimulated, but the orgasm is still happening in your genitals. So I think it's more a matter of there can be stimulation from our head to our toes, but in terms of, so if we think about the anatomy of an orgasm, so it's going to be arousal, engorgement, you know, um, pressure build, and then we have climax. And so that basically happens essentially within the genital region. Now it can be in a bigger part of the region or smaller part of the region, but your nipple isn't having an orgasm. So it's tough for me to understand a cervical orgasm because the cervix doesn't really have very many nerve endings at all. Can it be sensitive? Yes. Can a person with a cervix get aroused and have a very different kind of arousal experience from cervical attention and stimulation? Sure. But when we talk about an orgasm, it's, it's simply a, a combination of a bunch of muscle contractions and pressure building and then a climax of sort of a pinnacle of the contraction to a release point. And, right. you know, it's real tough without being in someone else's body to say where that happens. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you have to do some discovery, right? Yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to say that there's not different sensations and different um, intensities and different, you know, point, you can point to here, point to here. You can say it was much more rolling or it's much more spiky or it was much more undulating, or it lasted really short, or lasted really long, or it was there, and it was gone, and it was there, and it was gone, and it kind of felt like I had 15 orgasms in a row. Like, I'm not going to take that away from anybody, but I think that every body is different, and everybody's experience with it is different, and so I think the really the most important thing is 
did we have fun? Did it feel good? Did we get what we wanted out of whatever situation? And I liken it to this. I want you to pretend that we're up in Colorado in Estes Park or Rocky Mountain National Park and it's spring. And we're mm -hmm. gonna go do a 14er. We're gonna go do climb, climb the 14,000 foot mountain. And we start at the bottom, it's this gorgeous day and we're with friends that we like. And we are, we're going up and we see chipmunks and we see flowers and we see these beautiful vistas as we look around and we see a stream and we smell some stuff and we have a snack along the way and we tell stories and we laugh and eventually we reach the top. Okay, we've summited, right? That whole thing, contrast that with there's a helipad at the bottom and I decide to take the helicopter, get in, fly to the top and land at the summit. Who had more fun that day? The people who walked it. I would think so. Now, I can't speak for every person on the planet, but to me, it's really much more about the journey. Now, can that climax be really important to some person? Absolutely. I'm not trying to discredit or diminish. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you only can... have five minutes to get to the top. Right, yeah, go for it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or, or that's all you have five minutes to get to the top. Like, take that, exactly. you know, take the helicopter, it's fine. But I just feel like, making it all, putting so much importance on that pinnacle, on that climax, takes away from so many wonderful experiences. Um, and there are folks that are never, because of physical limitations or challenges or body differences, not gonna be able to have an orgasm and I'm not gonna ever be the one to say, well, then you didn't have sex. I understand. So that's some nonsense. I understand. Yeah. And it feels like the, it feels like for me, I'm just speaking based off some of the questions that I have too, it's like, women are always the ones left out and that there's mm -hmm. there's something called an orgasm gap and that's exactly yeah. what you're speaking to gotcha and then i, I don't know I'm, I'm gonna speak from a man's perspective who has sure. a wife um it seems like the time that it takes for a woman to climax is a lot longer than mm -hmm. a man so what do you think are some ways that men could take the time to help their partner, their partners along their, if they're a male with a female partner sure. uh, along the journey so that they can climax together or something? Oh. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like I don't know if I'm asking this question. Correctly. I, 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 I think like, I know what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. yeah. Well, so I want to, I want to start with, no, you're good. I want to start with like a basic philosophical point of view and I'm going to turn you on your head. Okay. What if we somehow magically found out that the timing thing, it's not that women took so long. It's that men were too fast. Right. And I'm not saying premature ejaculation. I'm not talking about like, you know, eight seconds. I'm talking about the way we have it in our heads is so much okay. of a male centered perception of Men take this long, and if we look at women, it's so much longer. But let's flip mm -hmm. it and be like, women, this is how long an orgasm takes. Oh my God, look how much shorter time it takes men. And it, we just, it, it, it does something. It, it kind of switched. So I want to it start does. there. Yeah. The other piece of it is um, no, I want to make sure that we don't make too broad generalizations. There are some men that need 30, 40 minutes to ejaculate, there are some women that can reach orgasm in three minutes. So there's oh, yeah. going to be, yeah, we got a bell curve here, you know. My wife is um, like that. Yeah, not her is. 
my, my mom's gonna listen to this podcast. Sex Healthy life. sex life, yay! <laughs> um, but so I think I think the key is a there's got to be a, a a genuine desire with no resentment of wanting to have wanting to explore experience that um, sensation for you know both partners or whoever's involved. So mm -hmm. it's like it's not so much a matter of like fine, I'll figure out a way to get you there. Like, oh God, no, just stop. Just let, yeah, me, yeah, just let me do me. Like, yeah. Um, so it's gotta be genuine without resentment. It's gotta be, you know, with love and, and, and honesty. And, um, and then I think it's a matter of sometimes, you know, because of, again, our culture and this, this kind of idea that women aren't supposed to experience pleasure. So many of us have no idea what gets us going. And that's sometimes where you look at that time delay because we have no clue. We don't have that internal Rolodex of things to funnel through and go, oh, I like this and I like that. And I'm gonna think about that and touch me here. I mean, how many women are afraid to say, do this or touch me here or harder or softer or go get that toy or whatever. Oh my mm -hmm. God, my friends that I talk to, they just say, I mean, my friends. And they're just like, oh, I can never say that. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, have him call me, you know? and. <laughs> So, so figuring out what works for us, I think is a lot, is a big part of, you know, if we were, if we're looking to reduce that time, the other part is anatomically, things are just set up differently. So there is an anatomical physiological difference in terms of microwave versus toaster oven. Okay. Fair enough. So Fair yeah, enough. I mean, so that, so we're, so we're grappling with, you know, a piece of that. Um, but I think again, communication and patience. The other thing I want to, and for all my, my female bodied friends out there who are listening to this, don't stop breathing when you get close. That is my biggest takeaway tip. A lot of times what happens is right as women are approaching orgasm, they do this. Oh. And they hold their breath. And it's crazy because we need oxygen to keep that blood flow going to reach orgasm. And we basically have stopped ourselves. <laughs> Sabotage. <laughs> so keep breathing, ladies, breathe into that's, it. That's um, kind of interesting too, because uh, yeah. that's the same thing when I, I, I tell people when we're listening at me, don't stop breathing. <laughs> yep, it's true. <laughs> or you'll need... pass out. Yep, yeah, it's true. Yeah, none of this stuff doesn't work right if we stop breathing, yeah. So yeah, I think it's, again, self-reflection, communication, try, experimentation, yeah. patience, and also figuring out, you know, if that's a priority for this go round. Like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah. Just make me feel good. Rub me, rub my back, rub my toes, rub my, you know, shoulders. I would like mm -hmm. that. Don't, I don't care about taking 45 minutes to get me to an orgasm. Just kiss the back of my neck. I want that today. Yeah. So making sure that we're at shared gold. And I think there needs to be some understanding, right? Like, it's you can't put the fact that you haven't orgasmed on the other partner if right. you don't know how right. your partner should help you get an orgasm. Like you have to have these conversations with each other so that you both know what it takes to for you both to be satisfied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I would think so. It, yeah. it just seems like everything comes back to communication, <sighs> right? Know, like this, so there, there are, yeah, there are no like answers. Right, like it, no. it, 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 it boils down to these conversations and really trying to get people to have hard, no pun intended, conversations right. with their mm -hmm. partners. Right, like and so, yeah, 
And I think they're fun conversations. I mean, <laughs> I know that they're challenging and they can be embarrassing and they can be awkward, but to me, they're so much fun because yeah. look at, look at, you know, look what you're headed towards. And in terms of like the technical kinds of things, yeah, there are some answers. In terms of arousal, we go from kind of the tertiary to the secondary to the primary in terms of erogenous zones. That actually, it, okay, I, I do want to share that. Like for my, you know, my female bodied friends, we typically don't like when somebody goes right to the clitoris. Like that's just like, oh, and it's just painful. So there's a, a response that happens in the body where there's this, this gradual elevation of arousal. And in order to get there, it's sort of like, war it's like the old engine. We have to warm things up to be able to have it at peak performance. So, you know, yes, there are some technical things where we could get into that at another time or one-on-one -on -one or something, but, mm -hmm. but yes, it all starts with communication. Absolutely. So what, so what are some things that um, a man could do or, or, or whatever, not necessarily a man, but a person can do to, to help bring his female-bodied companion along? Um, so I would say um, verbal and nonverbal feedback. So let's say the female body person who's trying for whatever their outcome, their, desi their desired outcome is, if something is working, be encouraging. Oh, I like that right there. Stay doing that. Mm. Keep doing that. I like that. Mm. The happy noises, all those things. And, and you know, the, the, the person giving or, you know, kind of, you know, whatever to check in be like, do you like that? Is that okay? So having that ongoing communication, reading the body language, if nobody moves, probably not working as well. There's usually going to be like a body yearning, you know, like there's going to be arching of back, flexing of hips, kind of those things. If there's like a, a, a wincing, a flinching, obviously that's, you know, not good. If things kind of just suddenly get rigid or if you feel big muscle contraction that just stays contracted, that's usually a sign that something we're guarding, you know, that's, that's a guarding sensation. Like if we just kind of tighten up, that's guarding means something that doesn't feel good or hurts. Um, can't, overplay the the importance of lubrication so my god lube is your best friend i don't care what you're doing lube is your best friend make sure it's body safe make sure it's compatible with your own ph make sure it's compatible with any toys that you choose to play with um your sheets any condoms anything like that so there's a lot of technical stuff when it comes to that but the technology and the variety out there is so much better and it's so easily you can research it so easily on the internet now so you know so that's that's a great yeah, so that's that's interesting because I was listening to another podcast uh, with Tim Ferriss actually, and he okay. had on uh, she was one of the top ladies at one at a at one of the brothels I think in in the state. Okay. okay, and that was one of her tips too was that it doesn't matter if your partner gets wet right a lot, you right. should still use lube. What, what, why? Why is that? Because now, now that you're saying now, I want to know why, why should everyone yeah. use lube? So, yeah, so natural lubricant is it's really um, unpredictable. And so while it can be prevalent at one point in time, it can very quickly dissipate and go away within a few minutes. It just, it can, it's, it's this weird magical fluid. So it can come and go. And so the tissue is so sensitive and so easily torn 
that we certainly don't want there to be the pain. We don't want there to be the friction. Um, and we don't want any extra chances of passing any STDs if that's you know, a, a, an option, if, that, if that's potential. So it just definitely helps to create, um, so it reduces the friction. If there's gonna be friction, what's gonna end up happening is engorgement is gonna go down. Like everything kind of recedes and starts to not work if there's not enough lube. Gotcha. So it has a domino effect. Gotcha. Yeah. Especially if you have a filling fan in your room. Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. Dry, dry that thing up in a minute. I know. I mean, and we live in the desert. Our humidity is what seven percent. Like this is not helping matters. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 lube is actually like for safety. It is. It's for safety. It's for comfort. It's for ease. It's for keeping things going longer. It's for, yeah, I think, and I think what ended up happening was we got into this weird kind of competitive male thing a while back where it was like, if your woman needs lube, you're doing something wrong. And it's like, oh my God, that's the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Birth control pills and allergy medicine are the two biggest culprits about that can cause dryness. And because if you think about it, it's an antihistamine. It's, it's supposed to dry up your nose. Well, it dries up all your mucous membranes, geniuses. Mm. <laughs> right. So like if somebody, it's not their fault. I mean, they're not aroused. It just means that the moisture is being, you know, depleted from their body and it's not being as easily secreted. So sure. Slap some on there. It's fine. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. I just got a new wrinkle in my brain. Yeah. 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 And I think there's, I, I mean, this conversation is so awesome because like you start to realize how much stuff, has been like implanted in your brain because I because yep. as soon as I heard it the, the first thing I was like well lube is only for anal oh interesting huh <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't even tell you where I learned it from yeah how I came to like believe that to be true like you only need lube oh, if you're doing okay. anal okay yeah Right, because I, I was like, I, yeah, I appreciate. It. I, I, well, I know you need it for there too, but you know, I, I, I just yeah. didn't know. I didn't yeah. know how yeah. important. Because there's a lot of questions that we got about like, how can you, like, how can you get aroused to get extra wet or something like that? But really, it's like that the wetness comes and goes, and it's uh -huh. dependent. Of, it could actually be dependent on how healthy you are too. Yep. Yep. How hydrated so, you are. My God, if you're dehydrated. I mean, it's literally, it's moisture. Like, let's not make this too complicated. It's moisture. And if you're totally, exactly. yeah, if you're one of those people who's like, I never drink water. Eh. Okay. Yeah. But it, then there might be a more difficult time. It's also yeah. where a person is in their cycle. It's also a person mm -hmm. where they are in their life. I mean, I'm 50. So mm -hmm. things change. They just do. That's nature. It just happens like that. So, you know, in, in over the course of a woman's lifetime, things change. So we have to sort of be where we are. And be honest exactly. about where we are and, you know, adapt, adapt to where you are. Don't fight it and go, but I used to. Okay, great. You're going to be all torn up tomorrow. You enjoy yourself. Like, exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's funny because like, it's, it's, that's the same. Those are the same conversations that we have about health. And that, honestly, that's what, what I do. You know, it's like, yeah. yeah, I know you used to have a six pack when you're in high school, but you're 55 now. And right. You're yeah. not, you're, you're not going to be able to just eat McDonald's and, burn off all of these calories just because you're young anymore right so mm -hmm. we have to be you have to be met where you are and yeah 
come up with a routine for where you are and then also take some precautions like general Mm -hmm. precautions right Mm -hmm. like for me it's like you need you before we get into what exercise or diet like you need to sleep well you need to drink water you need to stand up more you need to move a little bit more like Mm -hmm. those four things are are necessary before it even matters if you go keto or not and i think those are the same practices that we need to have in our bedrooms like yep you need to have healthy conversation you need to have a healthy relationship to have a healthy sex life you need to have you need to have purposeful conversations with your partner surrounding sex and then you need some lube yeah lube lube is good we like lube go lube, find your lube favorite will be lube. a best friend exactly yeah. and lube, then lube, like, liquid all the good lubes yeah yeah <laughs> now is there a like a particular thing that someone should be looking out for when they're uh searching for lubes you know, it depends on, um, again, it depends on their own pH. So some people have a harder time with some types of lube because the, the vaginal pH is super sensitive and it's a very narrow window of tolerance. And so some people react differently just because of the nature of, of whatever the chemicals are. Um, I will tell you that the ones that do the whole hot, cold, you know, the, the cooling and the warming, I would say those are problematic for many people. Hmm. Um, the ones that are flavored, I would say that should probably be for external use only, or at least for gotcha. mouths and penises or, you know, anal, you know, um, yeah. anuses. But, um, but in terms of like, you know, so silicone, the nice, the nice thing about most of the silicone based lubes is that you can sort of re-wet them with saliva. So like if there's oral okay. sex happening, they're going to get, or, or you can use, you know, spit, um, you know, but you can sort of reactivate them just with water. Okay. So that's gotcha. helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. If there are certain silicone lubes that go well with silicone toys and there are other silicone lubes that you cannot use with silicone toys. So you need to know what you're doing and what you have. I mean, there are toys out there that can be upwards of $250. You really don't want to ruin your $250 toy by, because you bought the wrong lube. So, gotcha. you know. Make sure you yeah. read the package. Read the package, yeah. Do a little research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on the website. Say, what lube can I use with this? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. in regards to like, uh, since we're talking about lube, like, is there a specific time? Like, is like, cause some of these, like you, you may not want in your mouth, right? Or are they, <laughs> most of them, there well, should be pretty safe. Um, it, uh, that's personal taste, personal taste and preference. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not one to like be chugging lube. It's not my favorite thing. Um, but certainly there's a, a, an opportunity to kind of, you know, have a, a warm wet washcloth, you know, nearby and kind of clean things off a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I would say if things are going to be digital, meaning with hands or with toys or with, you know, any kind of penetrating object or body part, um, mm-hmm. then yeah, lube. And if there's going to be a mouth, check with your partner to see, you know, make sure it's okay with anybody where there's going to be contact with mouth and lube. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, one one question about yeah. uh, orgasms to circle okay. back real quick okay. is like the phenomenon of women yeah. faking faking them. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> oh, I can see some angst. I I I. I I'm not, I'm not trying to be judgy. I do know why. Like a part of me wants to know why, why stop it, stop it. Like we're doing nobody any favors. 
And I've mm-hmm. talked to, you know, female, you know, all female couples. I've talked to men and women. I've talked to women by themselves, all kinds of things. Nobody is doing anybody any favors by doing that. Mm-hmm. It is not stroking anybody's ego because they don't know you're just lying to them. And when they find out or you finally decide to tell them they're going to be mad and hurt. And yeah. now you've got that much more time to make up for and make right and mend. So I think that figure out what is the origin, why, what is that incentive that you think you need to fake it and address mm-hmm. that? You know, if your partner is so frustrated and is like, you better have an orgasm, then that's the wrong partner. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if that's, yeah, if that's what their dilemma is, like, ew, you know, let, let you know, I'm, I promise you my, I need you to take me at my word. If I'm having a good time, I'm having a good time. And if I'm not, I'm going to tell you, and we're going to try to work it out together. Or I'm going to take care of myself afterwards and I'm good with that or whatever it is. But I think we're doing everybody a disservice by this, you know, um, perpetuation of this idea of faking orgasms. I think it just yeah. hurts everyone. And I'm, I'm, I, would, I would strongly recommend against. <laughs> I agree. Don't fake yeah. an orgasm because you no. actually don't, you don't allow your partner to learn you. Yep. You know, and and yep. and there needs to be some understanding, or right? like your partner should care, right? Your partner yeah, should care. In. Yeah. 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 Your part. You shouldn't be afraid to right. not have an orgasm because that is an right. opportunity to learn for both of you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's if you like you said, you're not doing anyone any favors. You know, like that 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 mm-hmm. that your partner doesn't get to learn your body, and you don't get to teach your partner how to please right. you. And then he, this this person is feeling like they're doing everything in the world, you know. Yeah. And yeah. you are leaving every sexual encounter unsatisfied. Right. And yeah. and uh, and you're and, lying. And, it's fostering poor communication. You're doing the exact opposite of everything we've talked about today. You're fostering poor communication. They think they're they're checking in and saying we good, and you're like yep, and you're like no, nothing is good, <laughs> and it's like that's the opposite of what we're trying for right now. Yeah, hundred percent of the opposite, hundred percent the opposite. Um, in regards to like stimulation, right? Like, uh-huh. like I like my this is what my wife says all the time, right? Like, intimacy is more important than sex. Okay, for her? Okay. For her, yeah. So intimacy is more important, like feeling like she is cared for and loved. You know what I mean? That's the first part. And then this constant feeling that I want her is also Mm -hmm. a part of it, which makes the sex part better. So what are some some ways that, you know, we can kind of get this, the ball rolling, I guess, in certain ways. Like there, I know there's obviously there's toys and aphrodisiacs. Is that a real thing? Like, is are aphrodisiacs real? Like, is chocolate like supposed to stimulate you to want to have sex or something like that, or cologne? Right. No, I think I think what happens is we build associations, and I think that like there are certain things that are more pleasant and and spark a reaction i mean pheromones are real and chemistry is real and so i think some of those things sort of mimic or will enhance those natural responses but it's not like you can you know ply somebody full of chocolate and all of a sudden they're attracted to you and have an orgasm like that's not going to work it's a 
yeah, there's no, I mean, I think I referenced when we were talking earlier about Spanish fly, which is like, you know, back from the sixties or whatever, this was the, the magic love potion that's going to make everybody just, you know, woo, woo, you know, mm -hmm. like, not really. Um, but I think it's, it's so interesting when you said that, you know, your wife talked about intimacy and, and, and kind of that's part of it. What my question was, and you don't have to answer this, but the question that I would say to somebody is, can you name five things that she would consider intimate? Yeah. Right. And so that's what it means. So to me, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to name them. Right. No, no. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But, but, but they don't necessarily have to be sex. Yeah, exactly. They don't have to be anything about sex. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a, a, a past partner in my life and one of the most intimate things that, and I'm happy to share this. One of the most intimate things we have is he'll send me videos about baby hippopotamuses. <laughs> he knows me better than anybody on the planet and he knows that I love baby hippopotamuses so he's going to just randomly send me articles or me whatever about baby he knows me better and he knows what makes me smile and he's showing yeah. that he thought about me and he cared about me um, yeah I think that's kind of what my wife is about too yeah. I think there's you know not not to my wife isn't here to speak for herself but like there are some associations that we have with like romance and things right like like sometimes the imagery that we're raised with kind of shapes what we believe our relationships are supposed to be so for yeah. her growing up you know her grandparents they were really really affectionate you okay. know what I mean like really really affectionate and nice and for her like she that she's associated affection with all of that I am not a very affectionate person like in okay an outward affectionate person right. like I don't I'm not into like holding hands and okay. things, you know, things like that. Like, that's just not who I am. Like I've, mm -hmm. over the years, I've tried to be, I, I, I can say that I've tried to be, she may be like, nah, but, <laughs> but I can say I've tried to be a little more aware of that, uh -huh. Yeah. you know, but there are some like associations that, yeah. you know, they kind of derive. And I think those things play out in, in relationships in general, right? Like, yeah. so what are some ways that, that, you know, two people like my wife and I yeah. can, 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 can kind of like understand because what happens is like the way she believes it to be is how it should be. And then there is no consideration of how I am. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. I, I, I end up getting punished Oh. For not being like that yeah. right like so yeah. she's mad at me because i'm not affectionate but i'm not mad at her because she is affectionate but right. she also feels like i'm not giving her the affection right. that she right. needs or deserves you know right. what i mean yeah so like she likes to hold hands she's very she mm -hmm. likes to touch and things like that and i'm kind of right. like no don't touch yeah me. you know i think so. and, and, and maybe some military stuff too ptsd like i don't like to be Oh, okay. Yeah. Spooked or anything like that. Right. But right. so like, how do you start those conversations as well? I think so a couple different things. One is we have to figure out like, are, are we cutting off our nose to spider face? So you're not a hand holder. Does it, does it really, the whole reason I want to hold hands is because I want to get closer to my partner. My partner doesn't like to hold hands because my partner doesn't like to hold hands. I'm going to be mad at him. Did I get closer to my partner? Fair enough. So it's no, like, you don't. right, you know, exactly. Drive that so wedge, like, right? Right. 
So then it's like, okay, I'm not, so he's not a handholder. So we can look for a little bit of compromise. You know, if we're in the mall and I say, would you hold my hand for just a few minutes or down this aisle? Like we're in a grocery store and we're going to go down one aisle, hold my hand. Maybe that can be a thing where it's a little bit and you just show like, I'm going to reach out of my comfort zone because you're that important to me and you're going to respect my comfort zone and not demand that it be the whole time we're in the store. So it's that, you know, it's finding compromise. But the other thing I think is if you two were sitting on the couch, if you were at opposite ends of the couch, that's one thing. If you're next to each other and your thighs were touching, that to me is showing affection and that's physical touch without it being maybe hopefully not too much for you to be comfortable with, but enough to give her that sense of we're touching, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. So I think you look for the creative solutions to each get what you need while respecting mm -hmm. each other's, you know, challenges and limitations. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah. That, that's some pretty pretty good tips. It all goes back to freaking communication and having yeah, yeah. conversations yeah. with your partner. And yeah, you know, I think the I think the one thing is that like that I I mean for me I can say my needs are more important than my wife's needs. Her needs are real, right? And my needs are real. Right. And together we have to figure out how we both can get our meats net. Yep. net. But yep. more is like, you may not get all of them met. Nope. And they may not get all of them met, but we have an understanding right. of, of how it works. Right. And you can try to find other ways to get those needs met. Like it might be that, you know, you start, you do a, a sport together where there's some contact, or maybe she goes and asks the kids, can I have an extra hug today? Or maybe she's got a girlfriend that's a, a hugger and she can get extra hugs from one of her girlfriends. Like yeah. we can get our needs met from other people too. Or maybe it's, you know, when you're having Sunday morning and you're just laying around, it's like, okay, we're going to have five minutes of naked skin to skin time. No hanky panky, no sex. We're just going to lay here with our skin touching each other for five minutes before we get out of bed and start our day. So mm -hmm. it's very private. It's still not out in the open, but maybe that helps get her fixed while not making you too uncomfortable, you know? Gotcha. I understand that. Yeah. I understand that completely. Yeah. yeah. Wow, this is, this is a very enlightening conversation. <laughs> Isn't it fun? <laughs> this is awesome. It's awesome. I, I, I think that we didn't even get just... to cuckolding or BDSM or all kinds of things. I know. So many it's, more things to talk about. So much stuff. We're gonna have to have you on quite a quite quite often. I know. I actually I, I actually want to do like every time like there's something going on uh, surrounding yeah. that. I'd love to have you on and and, and, and talk to us about this. Um, I do want to hit a, a few things before we get out of here, though, right? Okay. Valentine's Day is near. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Give me, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. So give me four things that two people should discuss, okay. if not implement to spice it up for Valentine's. Okay. The first thing I would do is have a wishes and worries conversation. I wish that you would get me a card. I don't care if we do anything else, but I wish that you get me a card. Because sometimes a partner makes an effort and it's flowers and chocolates and dinner and all this stuff. And all the person really wanted was a card. Mm. And so there's like this missed connection. Yeah. Thing. So um, 
I worry, so wishes and worries. I wish that you'd get me a card. My worry is that you actually want to do something extravagant and I'm not going to meet your expectations. I worry about that. I worry that there's going to be some thing that you're going to ask me for about sex that I'm not comfortable with and it's going to lead to a fight. So have that wishes and worries conversation. So that's one. And it's back and forth. Everybody gets to share wishes and worries. Gotcha. Um, another thing is um, I would say set the expectation. Maybe it's, you know, uh, it, it may, Valentine's happens to be on a weekend this year, but it's not always. So maybe some people have expectations of, well, they better do something and they're quiet about it. And then when it doesn't happen, they're resentful. And it's like, who's the mind reader? You know, so, <laughs> so sharing expectations. Some people are just like, I think Valentine's Day is a stupid waste of money. If you get me something or make a big deal out of this, I'm going to be mad at you. Right. So freaking talk about it. Yeah. So share expectations. So we have wishes and worries. We have share expectations. That's two. If you want to start to do the more like spicy, you know, that kind of thing, I would say that you maybe write down a list of five things that you'd like to try and ask your partner to do the same and swap them on Valentine's. And that way there's five choices. So it's, you know, I want you to try tickling me with a feather from head to toe. And every time I giggle, whatever happens, you know, I want to use those sex dice where it's one is like the action, you know, kiss, suck, rub, whatever. And the other one's a body part, you know, so we're going to play sex dice. Um, I want to go to the sex store and get a new toy, or um, I want to be blindfolded, whatever. So you have five things and you present it to your partner and they do the same so that you can each pick something that you know the other one would like. Gotcha. Okay. That's three, four. Um, I would say aim for a new place. I don't care if it's the car. I don't care if it's the guest room. I don't care if it's the shower. I don't care if you, I don't care. Aim for a new place that you're going to have some kind of sexual experience. There you go. So for Valentine's Day, don't have sex in your bedroom. It should be somewhere uh, else. I mean, you can, but <laughs> you make it a little more special. Yeah. Yeah. Spice oh, it up and have sex know. somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think so. Something That's fun. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You're so very welcome. For, for, for jumping on on short notice at that. Like, <laughs> everybody is like, you came, you came highly recommended too. So Thanks. I'm so happy and thankful that you were able to jump on with me. I know you have some, some things you're tending to your mother and stuff like that at home. So, I, you know, I don't, so I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I just want to thank you. Um, and then let us, let, let, let everyone know like how they can get in contact with you. Yeah, so Dr. Shameless on Facebook, and then I think on Instagram on drshameless702, um, and and I think that um, somewhere on there will be my uh, email address, crescent.counseling at yahoo.com. So if Absolutely. folks have specific so, questions, yeah. Absolutely. So if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll put all of her links, email address, and everything else in our description. We'll also put some links for you know, some toy ideas and things yeah. like that. Some stuff that, that, uh, that we discussed earlier in the podcast, like the, the handout books that you're talking about, that kind of yeah. scripts out some of those things. Maybe we can yeah. put some of those links in the comments you as well. It. You'll also find that in the show notes and you can also find the transcript for this at plus one community.com, uh, tap the blog section and you'll see the transcripts and some of the things that we talked about as well as the, 
the, the, the YouTube video. So great. Thanks. I'm so thankful, Laura, that you're <laughs> able to jump on. I appreciate it. Yeah. You have a great day. And thank you for everyone else out there. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the People Like Us podcast brought to you by plusonecommunity.com. We hope you learned something valuable to allow you to get a little bit healthier, have a little more fun for a little while longer. And if you did, be sure to share this with your friends, family, and colleagues. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to so you don't miss an episode. And tell us what you think if you are inclined to do so. Thank you again. Take care and remember... If you are a person like us, we see you. Ciao.